0: When I became a Christian, what we said, in effect, was that that old way of life is over and done. In other words, we don't live like we used to live in the world. Everything changes. As a matter of fact, Paul would write to the church many, many years ago in Corinth and say, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what about being a Christian? What about our past? I want us to look at Romans chapters 5 and 6 as we think about this question. Is your past in the past? I want to begin by first of all talking about our promises in Christ. And we have an abundant array of promises that have been made available to us in Christ Jesus. And as we think about all of these vast promises that we enjoy in Christ, I want to begin by first of all talking about the Lord's passion for us. The Bible is very descriptive when it comes to the love of God. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6 and really reading verses 6 and 7, in a very specific way, the Apostle Paul talks about the depth of God's love. Listen to what he said. When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And then look at verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. As you allow those verses to sink in, I have some slides on the overhead that I want to share with you today. I want to begin first as we think about the depth of God's love. The first slide that I have is a picture of Adolf Hitler. And I want to ask you this question. Would you sacrifice your child for a human being like Adolf Hitler? Did you know that he was responsible for 11 million people being put to death? Six million of whom were Jews. This man was an ungodly man. Let me ask you a second question. Would you have given your life for his life? I can answer both of those questions for you. The answer would be an emphatic no, wouldn't it? You wouldn't give your child for Adolf Hitler, for his preservation, for his life, nor would you give your own life. But here's here's the key. God gave his son for Adolf Hitler. Now you ask the question, how do you know that? Well, listen again. When we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Was Adolf Hitler ungodly? Yes. Did he ever obey the gospel? No. But that doesn't negate the fact that God, in his infinite love, sent his son to die for this man. Got a second picture. Jeffrey Dahmer. Many of you probably know about the life of Jeffrey Dahmer. He was bludgeoned to death at the age of 34. He was a serial killer, began his killing spree in 1978, responsible for 17 male teenagers and adults being dismembered and murdered. Would you give your child for this man, for his life? You wouldn't do it, would you? Nor would I. Would you give your life for the preservation of Jeffrey Dahmer? Life for life. Would you do that? Wouldn't do it, would you? What did Paul say? In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Third slide I want to share with you. Picture of Madeline O'Hare. She is what I would call the mother of American atheism. She led an all-out assault during her lifetime, doing everything within her power to destroy what we would call Christianity in this nation. She opposed everything that was right, good, wholesome, and holy in this world. Would you sacrifice your child for her? Wouldn't do it, would you? Well, you know what? I wouldn't either. What about your own life? Would you be willing to die for her? Did you know that God gave his son not just for Adolf Hitler not just for the life of Jeffrey Dahmer but also for Madeleine O'Hare she never embraced the gospel either but that doesn't negate the fact that God in his infinite love wasn't willing to give his son to die for our sins and by the way Jesus went to the cross for this lady right here went to the cross for Jeffrey Dahmer went to the cross for Adolf hitler and more importantly he went to the cross for you each and every one of us so the depth of god's love you know what you might be willing as a parent to die for your child most of us would but we're not going to sacrifice our life or the life of a loved one for somebody else are we the bible says in romans chapter eight that god spared not his own son but freely gave him up for us all That ought to to cause us to think a little bit about the love of God. And then the demonstration of God's love. Listen to him in verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we were numbered among the ungodly. We were numbered among those for whom Christ died. And Paul includes himself here. Christ died for us. You remember in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, speaking of Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Talk is so cheap. It's easy to talk about how much you love somebody. But what about demonstrating that love? God demonstrated. He verbalized his love. And visibly, he showed it. How? By sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we think about, we think about the tremendous love, his passion for us. But I want you to also think about his power. Think about God's power, his ability to save. Listen to him in Romans chapter 5 verse 20. In Romans chapter 5 at verse 20, Paul said many, many years ago, Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer a minute ago. Did you know that Jeffrey Dahmer came in contact with the truth of God? Corresponded with a friend of mine, Garland Elkins. Brother Elkins said that the Gatwell Church received a letter from him. He wanted one of their lectureship books, the Spiritual Sword Lectures. And he told me, he said, you'll never guess what book he wanted. He wanted God Demands Doctrinal Preaching. I thought that was kind of odd myself. but That's what he wanted. He could have had a book dealing with the over, the, an overview of the Old Testament, the New Testament, etc. There were so many different topics that he could have studied, but that's the book he wanted. Jeffrey Dahmer obeyed the gospel in prison. When Jeffrey Dahmer was bludgeoned to death in prison in about 1994... Brother Elkins was preaching in a gospel meeting in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Apparently, the news people in Chattanooga heard about Brother Elkins' association with Jeffrey Dahmer. And so they came to interview him and they wanted to know. They wanted Brother Elkins to answer some questions. And one question they had, do you believe Jeffrey Dahmer will go to heaven? Now think about that for a minute. What if One of your children had been put to death by Jeffrey Dahmer. What if he had abducted your son, dismembered your son? How would you feel? What would you want for him, spiritually speaking? I know what you'd want. I know what many of us would want. We would want vindication, wouldn't we? We would want him to suffer for his crimes. Here's what Brother Elkins said. I believe if Jeffrey Dahmer obeyed the gospel... And lived according to this book, when he died, he has a hope of heaven. Now you just think about that for a minute. God's power to save. You mean to tell me here's a guy responsible for 17 people being brutally murdered, and there is a God in heaven that would forgive him? That's exactly right. You know, Saul of Tarsus was a terrorist, wasn't he? Saul of Tarsus talked about his former life as a blasphemer, a persecutor. He was a violently arrogant man. But here's what he said, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and Paul said of whom I'm chief. Paul understood that had it not been for the grace of Almighty God. What the devil wants you to believe is you are beyond hope. There's no way that God in heaven would ever forgive you. A lot of people think that. They have in their mind, they're just too bad. They've done, they've done too many bad things. Let me tell you what, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need the Lord. The fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ came, lived, and died for ungodly people and that is inclusive of all people so we talk about the power that god has to save the hebrew writer said that jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to god through him hebrews seven twenty five. god has the power to give you a new life what the devil wants you to think is that you are beyond redemption it's not true You can be redeemed. But then think with me, if you would, about his pardon. The pardon that we enjoy in Christ is based upon the blood that was shed on Calvary. Look at Romans chapter 5 in verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What what Paul is saying here is, look, on the basis of the blood of Christ, all of our sins can be washed away. We can enjoy the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. Now, Paul has already said where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And so he's saying, in effect, you have the ability, you have the potential to be saved. Well, how so? By being baptized into Christ. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. The blood of Jesus was shed in death, John 19, 34. In order for us to appropriate the blood To become a part of the body of Christ, we have to be baptized into Christ. So here's what he said, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. When you're baptized into Christ, you become a recipient of the blood shed on Calvary. The only way to contact that blood is to come to Jesus, believing that he is the Son of God, repenting or turning from a life of sin, And then being baptized. And when you're baptized into Christ, all of those sins washed away. I mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer a moment moment ago. When Jeffrey Dahmer was baptized into Christ Jesus, all of his sins, all of the heinous actions that he had committed on planet earth, forgiven. You remember what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12? I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and their iniquities, he said, I will remember no more. You think about standing before God as a murderer, a rapist, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you're standing before the God who made who made the heavens and the earth, and you are exonerated because of the blood of Christ, and you're standing before Him just and whole. It's a great thought. There's one final thing I want to share with you. It has to do with this peace. You see, when you become a child of God, then you enjoy, as Paul talks about, the peace that passes all understanding. Isaiah spoke many years ago of the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah to come. He identified him as the prince of peace. And here's the beauty of it. The prince of peace can give you peace. Paul said in Ephesians two fourteen, speaking of Jesus, for he himself is our peace. Did you know that you can have peace? Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah said that the wicked, they have no peace. Ever thought thought about how many people will go to bed tonight and there is this tremendous cloud of guilt and anguish in their lives. They've got this burden they're they're bearing on their shoulders. And day in and day out, it weighs upon them. A lot of folks turn to alcohol, to drugs, and to other things in an effort to somehow alleviate the burden of guilt, the shame, the suffering, and yet right back every day, every day. But Paul's saying, look, in Christ, you can enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. We talk about our promises in Christ, but what about our position in Christ? We occupy a very special relationship to the Lord. First, There is a death that takes place. Paul says, in effect, we die to sin. And really what he's saying is, that old way of life, that past life, that's not who you are any longer. You don't live like you used to live. So look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Paul begins by asking a question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? The idea is that God's grace has covered your sins. Wherever sin goes, grace abounds much more. So, why not just live in sin? Listen to what he says, verse 2 Certainly not. Or, God forbid, how shall we that died to sin live any longer therein? What's Paul saying? He's saying, you died to the love and the practice of sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners? And he said, and such were some of you. That's past. You see, their past was in the past. In Galatians 5, 24, Paul said that those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. In Galatians chapter 6, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified unto me and I unto the world. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look, we died to that way of life. It's over. Look again at what he says. Romans chapter 6, in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away, rendered inoperative, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. I've got some other slides I want to share with you very quickly. When you became a child of God, there are some things that possibly you had to give up. If you're a Christian, do you have beer in your refrigerator today? You got a six-pack at home waiting on you, ice down? If you're still drinking, your past isn't in the past. If you're still drinking alcohol, whether it's beer or whiskey, doesn't matter. If you're still drinking alcohol, then you've got a serious problem with the Lord. I want you to understand whether you're young or old, if you're a child of God, you can't be drinking alcohol in any shape, form, or fashion. It's over. That way of life is done. Now you say you don't understand. I'm young. I want to party. I want to do what I want to do. You can do what you want to do. You can go out and live it up and live how you want to live, and you can drink and smoke and do all this other kind of stuff. But let me tell you what: if you do, you're past. Not in the past. You can't go to heaven and keep drinking. You can't do it. We we need to be clear on that. You can't drink alcohol and expect to go to heaven. Doesn't work that way. You like to smoke weed. Any of you here got some pot? You like to smoke? When you became a child of God, you know what you said? That pot smoking, those days, they're gone. Those pipes you used to have, they're in the trash. You don't use them anymore. Why? Because you're a child of God. You are a son of the king. That kind of stuff, it's out. Oh, you can't live like that. Why? Because Paul said that those who are Christ have crucified The flesh with its passions and lust. You can drink, you can smoke pot, you can pop pills, you you can shoot up heroin or any other thing. But you need to understand, if that's what you're doing, you're on a fast track to a place called hell. If you've been baptized and that's how you're living, you're in trouble. We clear? We we got that. We need to understand. We can't do this kind of stuff and be a child of God. If you're doing this kind of stuff, you need to quit. You need to give it up because I'm telling you what, you will not go to heaven doing this kind of stuff, not at all. You won't make it in any shape, form, or fashion. So you know what that means? It means, means you need to repent. means you need to change your life. I ask the question, is your past in the past? If you're still doing this stuff, then your past is still with you. You haven't repented, and you're in trouble. You're in more trouble than you can say grace over. You have no idea how much trouble you're in. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer's talking about somebody who becomes a child of God and then apostatizes from the truth. In other words, they leave the Lord. And here's what he said in that context. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You know what he's saying? He's saying it is fearful beyond belief to die unprepared to meet God. Let me just very quickly share with you something. I know what it's like to be a teenager. I know what it's like. To be a young person. I've been there. I've done that. I know what it's like to get caught up in a life of sin and it is tough to get out sometimes. You are swimming upstream in a downstream world and you are going against the tide every single day. It's tough. I don't want you to misunderstand that. It is tough, but you can make it with the help of God. But it might be you're here today and you're caught up in that culture. You need to leave it alone. It'll mess you up, it will destroy your life. Let me give you another slide very quickly. Another subject, not a comfortable one, called premarital sex. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. If you are not married, you have no business sleeping around. Fornication, that's out. You can't, you can't sleep around, engage in sexual relations with a person of the opposite sex, and expect to go to heaven. How do I know that? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Fornicators and adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're a child of God and you are sleeping around, let me tell you what, you are in trouble. Massive trouble. Young or old, doesn't matter. You're in a lot of trouble. Paul, in writing to the church at Thessalonica, said, This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. But adulterers and whoremongers, God said, He will judge. So if you have obeyed the gospel, whether you're young or old, and you're sleeping around, you need to understand you're in trouble. Your past, it's still with you. And here's what you need to understand more than anything. You're not going to heaven. Don't you think for one minute you're going to go to heaven and you're out here sleeping around with other people. It's not happening. No, not at all. Not at all. You see, you signed on to be a child of God. Paul said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God? He said, You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, in light of that, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In that same context, Paul said, flee fornication. The body is not for fornication. I want you to know when you stand before God, I want you to be able to say, look, I heard it. I know what the Bible says. Don't just take my word for it. You read the scriptures yourself. It's in black and white. What the Lord is saying to all of us is, we better live, we better live a Christian life. We signed on to be a Christian. Paul said, look, you died to that way of life. You're not supposed to live like that. Out with the old, in with the new. You died to sin. You've been delivered from sin. So why do you want to keep waddling in a mud puddle? Listen again to what Paul asked. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's his answer. Certainly not. God forbid. It's no more becoming for a child of God to drink and smoke and engage in a lot of other activities. We don't do that. Why? Because we're children of the King. Our sins have been washed away. We belong to the body of Christ. Our lives are supposed to be different. Think with me very quickly. We've got a couple of minutes left. Very, very quickly. What about our potential in Christ? Do we have potential in Christ? Yes, we do. We have some undeniable possibilities. We have undeniable potential. Look at Romans 6 verse 13. Paul said in verse 12, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Then in verse 21, Paul asks this question, What fruit did you have in those things of which you're now shamed? The end of those things is death. Paul's simply saying, look, when you lived in the world, the things that you were doing, the things you were so active the pursuing, he said the end result of that is death, spiritual death, separation from God. Here's what he said, the wages of sin is death. You're going to get paid one day. You live in sin, one day God's going to have, God is going to hand you a big fat check. It's going to read H-E-L-L. That's your payment. H-E-L-L. Hell. So look at verse 22. But now, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Would you let God use you to do great things in the kingdom? You see, we don't have time to live like the world because we're supposed to be changing the world for good. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Would you let God use you for his glory and his good? Would you do that? You ever thought about the potential that rests within this room? I look around and I think about all the talent, the tremendous mental capacity of those who belong to the body here. And to think that we could somehow forge all of those talents and abilities, we could harness them and use them for good to the glory of God. I close today by asking this question is your past in the past. Now you might be here today and you're struggling with sin in your life and you're a Christian and you realize that you're living like you used to live. You're doing what you used to do. You're hanging around with the people you used to hang around with that got you in a lot of trouble. So here's my plea to you. Why not start anew today? Why not just start over? Wouldn't you like to do that? Wouldn't you like to just start over? To be a new creation in Christ, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. To know that all the past is in the past. To know that when you stand before God, God is going to say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. It might be that you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel. Why not do what they did 2,000 years ago? Repent, be baptized for the remission of your sins. God will add you to the church. And then, just be faithful. The Bible says if we're faithful until death, we have the crown of life. That is a promise. So, if you're here today and you're struggling, your life's not what it ought to be spiritually speaking, let me tell you what, we're not here to beat you up, we're here to lift you up. We'd be happy to pray with you. We'd be more than happy to baptize you into Christ so that you can leave here knowing, steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.